Hello, welcome to the Find Your Calm podcast. I'm Noelle C. Guevara, and through my work as a pastor, an educator, and a writer, I've often helped people navigate faith and family and being a person in this chaotic life. Here's the truth. I don't know how to avoid chaos or how to prevent the anxiety that chaos inevitably causes, but I've had more than a little practice in finding my calm when life beckons anxiety instead. If you're looking for space to take a deep breath, steady yourself, and discern what you need to move forward, you're right where you belong. Listen in for a few simple tips to find your calm and take your next faithful steps forward. A fun fact you may or may not know about me. I took piano lessons for 14 years, beginning in kindergarten and continuing through my freshman year of college. I remember sitting at our family piano when I was in preschool and plunking out Mary Had a Little Lamb by ear and wanting so badly to take lessons. I was classically trained and considered a college major in music, but the harder I pushed myself, the less I enjoyed playing. In the end, I realized that putting fingers to black and white keys gave me so much joy and helped me express emotion, which is why I would play sometimes for hours through my teenage years. But scales and sonatas became burdens when I needed to perform them for an audience. The difference was in the expectations. By myself, it didn't matter if I stumbled or relied on sheet music or switched up the tempo. No one expects you to perform masterfully in your dining room. But in an auditorium with a panel of judges, with an audience looking on, the expectations change. At home, the piano felt like an extension of me. On a stage, I just felt the weight of expectations of me. So in a sense, I gave it up. But in a truer sense, I simply gave up on the expectations that weren't serving me well. I still play. Catch me in my dining room pouring out Moonlight Sonata when my feelings need to pour out of me. Today, I'm going to talk about managing expectations so they don't manage you. Anybody else a recovering perfectionist? The caveat to my piano story is that sometimes we don't have the luxury of ditching expectations. When my boss expects me to come to work, I show up regardless of whether or not I feel like it that day. When my kids expect me to pick them up from school, I can't bail because I'm halfway through a movie. I could do a whole episode on how to decide if you should meet or manage the expectations of others, and maybe I will someday. I don't think I'm doing very well on that front at the moment, so we're going to pivot and talk about our own personal expectations, because that we have more control over. I have high expectations, first and foremost for myself, but also for others, my kids, my husband, my friends, my coworkers, my boss, you get the idea. High expectations aren't necessarily bad. They become problematic when we can't cope with our expectations going unmet. I think expectations really have two parts. One, what we expect. And two, what we do when expectations collide with reality. I am a huge fan of setting a high bar for kids. Something we say in our house on repeat is, you can do hard things. I have an expectation that my kids will love and care for one another. It's hard, but if I set the bar high, they frequently rise to meet it, but sometimes they don't. Of course they don't. They're kids. Also, I don't always meet the high bars I set for myself, and of course I don't. I'm human. Here's a fun fact. In education, we generally say that the threshold or the measure of success is 80%. 
So if I set an objective for a class and 80% meet it, that's success. If I set an objective for a student and they make it 80% of the way there, success. A reasonable expectation is never 100%. I'm going to say that again for some of y'all who are perfectionists. A reasonable expectation is never 100%. If you are out there expecting yourself or someone else to crush every expectation perfectly, you are setting yourself up for failure and crushing disappointment. So we're going to start with the beginning of managing expectations with this first faithful step. One, make sure your expectations are realistic not perfectionistic. Here are some examples of real versus perfect expectations. Asking my child to get dressed versus asking them to get dressed quickly and with a great attitude. Uh, Working with my partner to share responsibilities equally versus assuming that they can mind read the running list in my head and do 50% of it, preferably the 50% I don't want to do. Anybody else have that expectation? I don't know. I tend to, I tend to have that. And then balancing priorities and competing responsibilities versus crushing everything on my work, home, parenting, to-do list and looking cute while doing it. Those are just a few examples, but whether our expectations are directed towards ourself or others, it's important to break them down into their core components and double check that they're realistic. There are a couple of common roadblocks to realistic expectations that I run into. The first is the pile up. As a parent, I often pile expectations on top of each other and my kids get overwhelmed because I'm setting them up to fail. If I expect them to do a task without a reminder and with a good attitude, that's actually three expectations, not one. And that sort of trifecta is almost always unrealistic, at least with my kids. So watch for the sneaky pile up of expectations. The second thing to watch for is the time crunch. So I might have a list of things to do and the ability to do them all, but then I cram them into a block of time that's unrealistic. A time crunch can set you up to fail, so be mindful and add some margin in your expectations of how much you can do and the time you have to do it. The last thing to be mindful of is the communication gap. If I have an expectation of or for somebody else, but I don't communicate that expectation in a clear manner, I can't expect them to meet it. I know, wouldn't it be great if what's obvious to me was obvious to everyone? Clean up the living room does in fact include returning the pillows to their original locations, but my kids just don't see it that way. So I have to tell them in clear terms and on repeat if I want them to meet my expectation. And honestly, I can even struggle with internal clarity. I think my expectation of myself is just to be a good mom. But the reality is that good mom is loaded and it's full of unclear and often unrealistic standards that run me from the background. It is really important work to define the terms for others and for yourself so a communication gap doesn't lead to unrealistic expectations. So once you have realistic expectations, the other part of managing those expectations is figuring out what to do when they go unmet. Here's the deal. People are super disappointing. Other people mostly, but also sometimes me. I am the disappointing people. Actually, I think I disappoint myself more than anyone else ever could. We're working on this in therapy. It's fine. When expectations go unmet and you've already determined that those expectations were reasonable or realistic, then you're going to feel disappointed. And that doesn't feel good. There are a lot of potential responses. So I'm just going to name a couple of next faithful steps you could take care 
Option one, when expectations go unmet, believe the best. Whether the person who disappointed you was someone else or your own self, you can choose to believe the best. Sometimes I often repeat when I'm disappointed by someone else and tempted to doubt or even give up on them entirely is this. What I know to be true about this person is, and then I fill in the blank with the greater truth of them. So maybe someone I trust let me down. They didn't follow through or they didn't tell the truth or they didn't have my back. Whatever it is, it was disappointing. I can let their mistake define them and change our relationship or I can say, What I know to be true about this person is that they have shown up for me on repeat. I know that they care about me. And that truth can hold the line when disappointment wants to burn the bridge. Believing the best isn't a free pass out of hard conversations. If I'm disappointed for good reason and that disappointment is a barrier to connection, then I need to go to that person with a posture of believing the best and have a conversation about what happened and how I feel about it. This is easier with my kids, at least for me, because I hold the power and authority. I might pull them aside and gently say something like, it was really frustrating to me that when I asked you to do your homework, you threw your bag and yelled unkind things. But I know you love me and you work so hard all day at school. Your choice doesn't define you. Let's try that again, okay? This is so much harder when the conversation is with someone else who holds more power and authority a boss, a parent, even a close friend if you're afraid of rejection. Practice all the self-compassion if this is hard or you're new at this. You can do hard things, not perfectly, but you can do them nonetheless. Believing the best is a great faithful step if the person who disappointed you has a history of being trustworthy. But what if the history is actually just disappointing? Then the next faithful step might be to hold a boundary. If reasonable expectations consistently go unmet, then you might need to lower the expectations, but this shouldn't mean that you settle for disappointment. If you need to lower the bar, then you should consider lowering the investment. Here's what I mean. If a person or relationship is consistently disappointing, you can't continue to hold the expectation. You'll keep getting hurt. You'll burn out. You'll become resentful. So the friend that consistently bails stop expecting them to show. The boss that's forever disrespecting you, stop expecting them to change. That mom who's always passive aggressive at school events, stop expecting her to be kind. Y'all, it sucks. People should be better, but also I am people. I struggle to be better. And in some seasons, I've been that friend, that boss, that mom. Growth is slow and it's painful. I think that lowering an expectation, even if it's a reasonable expectation, is okay as long as you also lower the investment. So that friend that bails, stop investing so much time or emotion into that relationship. That might mean moving on from that friendship or just reducing it to more of an acquaintance. Figure out how that conflict with your boss or Karen or whatever is draining your energy and do what you can to either reduce the drainage or replace the lost energy. Every situation is different and I can't pretend to know what's right for each situation, but sometimes I can manage my expectations of a person or relationship by lowering them and lowering what I give as well. So I don't end up as a doormat to ongoing disappointment. Sort of like with my piano dreams, I can shift the expectations and find happiness or even just relief in redefining the relationship. 
We've covered two faithful steps forward in managing your expectations so they don't manage you. The first was to make sure your expectations are realistic and not perfectionistic. And then the next was to manage your expectations when they go unmet. Deep breaths, friends. This isn't easy. Learning to manage expectations so they don't manage you is ongoing, hard, and holy work. You can't one and done this with a quick hack. So sorry, Lord knows I've tried. So let's take a faithful step towards finding your calm right now. Prayer is a centering practice that we can return to in these sorts of long obedience in the right direction. And a breath prayer is a simple tool that helps to ground me. I often return to the first words of Psalm 23 when expectations threaten to overwhelm me. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. These words remind me of two things. First, God cares for me and promises to take care of me. High expectations are often birthed out of feelings that you have to control all the things. But I can trust that God is in control and he is a good shepherd who stands at the ready to protect and provide for me. Next, these words promise that my needs will not go unmet. I struggle with the scarcity mindset, feeling like there will never be enough. I will never be enough. I can't ask for what I need. But God promises to provide for all of my needs, not necessarily in the ways I want or to the specificity of my expectations, but I can rest in knowing I have everything I need. So here is a breath prayer for when your expectations start to run you from the background. Inhale, God is my shepherd. Exhale, I have everything I need. Inhale, God is my shepherd. Exhale, I have everything I need. I hope you found that practice to be useful. And I would encourage you to return to this prayer whenever your expectations of yourself or of others start to get the best of you. Thank you for joining us today for the third episode in season three of the Find Your Calm podcast. I hope you were able to connect with yourself to get your bearings, find your focus, and begin to enjoy or at least be more present to the life that's within around you. Life is chaotic. We know this to be true. But even in the midst of chaos, you can find your calm and take your next faithful steps forward. As always, you can connect with me on Instagram as Noel C. Guevara. You can also find me and sign up for my newsletter at noelcguevara.com. The newsletter goes out once a month, and I'll also have an exciting new announcement in the next newsletter. I have been so encouraged and fulfilled by the response to the Advent devotional that went out to 50 people this month. And there is so much more to come. Until next time, I'm Noelle C. Guevara, and I'm so grateful to be your host and guide as we navigate the chaos of life together.